Okay. Of course, it's not the first time. Hopefully, it won't be the last time. I don't know. I don't know how much longer I've got. I'm on, I realize I'm on barred time. They just say, if three score and 10, that's 70. And if by reason of strength, four score, well, in just a couple of weeks, I'll be four score. So I've done moved through all of that. So any time, just any time. But I'm thankful for what the Lord has spared me for. Uh, from four and two. And we're still here. We're going to try to go on till we get done. First Corinthians 11th chapter. And I'm going to do something that I don't often do. Concentrate on one verse. I'll give you the context, but I'm not going to talk about the context. I'm going to talk about the verse. So here, Paul says to the church at Corinth, uh, just finished the teaching of the head covering. Now, poor Derek has got into that. And uh, he's finding out that uh, everybody that claims to be a believer, quote unquote Christian, all were Bible believers, just don't believe all of it. If there's something that it says that I don't agree with, I'm not going to accept that. But you see, the Word of God has authority over us. Anyway, so he just got done with that teaching in verse 17. He says, now in this that I declare unto you. So he's not asking them. He's declaring Chapter 15, he declared the gospel. That's not, he, he's not begging them to listen to it. He's declaring it to, to them. This that I declare unto you, I praise you not. You say, well, you ought to always praise them. Paul didn't do that. <coughs> you can't praise wrongdoing, folks. You can't praise wrongdoing for your children. Children. If they do wrong, you can't praise them for it. You establish horrible practices that way by praising them for wrongdoing. So now he tells the church, I'm not praising you for this. That you all come together now he's talking to the congregation of the church of God, which is at Corinth. When you come together as a congregation, which is what a church is. Now you can't much have a church if you don't have a congregation. If you got people don't come to church, you can't hardly have a an assembly, can you? If they don't come, it's hard to preach to spirits. Sometimes I've got some right now to preach to spirits, and they don't receive very well. People say, well, we've got the internet. God didn't ordain the internet. He ordained his kind of church and assembly. Anyway, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. So what they're doing they're coming together, but they're not coming together for the proper reason. And what they're doing when they get there is worse than better. For first of all, when you come together in the assembly, I hear that there be divisions among you. <coughs> and I partly believe it. Divisions in the assembly? See, that's why a church is to practice discipline. Amen. Not just discipline on the back door, but discipline on the front door. Well, now, many of these churches, and I, I know you're chewing on sour grapes. No, I'm not chewing on sour grapes. 
But many of these churches, and they have all this gigantic growth, you watch how they're receiving members. They're taking them for any reason, any way, any way they can get them. And that is not what the Lord tells us to do. And so discipline must be practiced on the front door as well as the back door. So when you get people into church for the wrong reason, in order to keep them, you're going to have to continually feed them the wrong reasons. Amen? Gospel of John says, that which is of the flesh is flesh. And that which is of the spirit is spirit. Now we see big churches giving away cars. We see them having fish fries. I mean, and advertising for the general public. And some of the Catholic churches, they have all the beer you can drink at the fish fry. Well, guess what? They get a lot of people there. But what are you going to do next week? If you had a fish fry and all the beer they could drink, how are you going to get them back next week? You have to continue with that ungodly stuff. So he says you've got divisions among you. No wonder you got people that don't really believe the Bible. They don't believe the doctrines of the Bible. And so how do you preach those doctrines? You see, I firmly believe, and I have for a long time, the 66 books of the Bible are God's inspired words. Every word is given by inspiration of God. What part of the Bible should I not be able to preach to this church? Can you name one verse out of this Bible that I should not be able to preach to this church? Is, or, or, or would you say that as, as pastor of a church that believes the Bible, we ought to be open to every word of the Bible. How about that? Would anybody amen that? But do you know that many, 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 many churches are not open to every word of the Bible? I think that's a shame and disgrace. It's a shame and disgrace to God. Anyway, but that's what's going on in this church. And they've got people there for false reasons. And therefore they do not accept all of the teaching of the word of God. Now, <coughs> let me give you this proviso. This church is not obligated to agree with every word that I say. We are all obligated to agree with what God says. Can I say something that is contradictory to the Bible? Yes, I can. I can. I hope I don't, but I try not to. But I'm capable of that, and that's why you need to make sure what the Bible says and what I'm saying. Anyway. He says, now, when you come together, therefore, into one place, which is what the assembly does, they don't meet all over the world. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Ostensibly, it was to eat the Lord's Supper. But Paul informs them that they're wrong. They're not meeting for the Lord's Supper. Because they are not meeting for the Lord's Supper and doing the right things. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. 
and one is hungry and another is drunken. And I do not believe that these people were inebriated. The contextually, one is hungry means he has no food. The other is drunken, filled to the gills, has more liquid than he needs. So that's the, those are two elements of eating, food and drink, and of one they have, they have none, of others they have too much. It's not saying that they're inebriated, snot-slinging drunk. I know it's rough t- language, but that's what it is. Most preachers preach that the church at Corinth got drunk at the Lord's Supper. They do preach that. They do teach that. But I think they are absolutely wrongfully accusing a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is still a church. Though they're in error on a lot of things, I don't believe they got together and got drunk and had, a, had an orgy. That's what happens. Anyway... <coughs> So he says, in response to that, what? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Obviously, they didn't have any homeless people there. They all had something to call a home. And you can go home and eat and drink. You don't have to come here to the assembly of God to eat and drink. Not that there's anything wrong with it if it's done in the right way. But they weren't doing it in the right way. So he says, what? Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So he reinforces his original statement. I praise you not. Now, yes, I think the obvious answer that they did have houses to eat and to drink in. But there's a basic problem here. And Paul hits the Nail on the head. Despise you, the church of God. Now, the church of God. Just hold on to that. Look to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. First chapter, first verse. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. What? Despise you, the church of God? He's not particularly talking about any other church. However, this will fit every church of like faith and order. These are not individual truths. These are church truths to all of the Lord's churches that are of like faith and order. He says, now, well, first what I want to tell you about is this word despise. I've told you before. I couldn't believe it. I've had, I've had preachers argue with me over this. Or they called themselves preachers. I don't know what they were. Anyway, that uh, the word despise, it has taken on a different connotation in our world today. You can hear two kids arguing. You know how they go back and forth? And one of them finally said, well, I hate you. And one said, 
Well, I despise you. Making the word despise to be much more severe than hate. Well, that's just not the way it is. You can look in the English dictionary, Webster's. I've got it written down here. Differentiate despise from hate. That's what we need to do right here. Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. I've got it right on my desk. To look down on with contempt or aversion. To regard as negligible, worthless, or distasteful. That's what despise is. That's in modern language. But it's not hate. It's not an intensification of the word hate. The Greek means to think down on, to think against, or disesteem, lightly esteem. Well, the Greek word is kata phronel. And that means, kata means down, and phronel is to think. To think down on. Whereas hate, in the Greek it's misel, and it means, a, actually it's mental murder. And you actually hate someone, that's why somebody, these kids ought not, I hate you. Uh, I heard somebody talk in some kind of commercial or something about hating something. Well, you be careful how you do that. Hate, and you actually hate somebody, you've murdered them mentally. You've wiped them out. So hate is very severe. So what is, our, what is the problem with the Lord's churches today? I'll have to say it's true churches in general. But even in the Lord's churches. Is our problem that we hate our church? Or could it be that we somewhat despise the church? We don't think enough of it. Now think about this. I think that's where our problem is. <coughs> and that's why in many people's lives, the first thing that goes is the church. First thing. Ought not to, but that's the first thing that goes. Well, this could be the problem. There's lots of ways that despising the church would come to life. I'm going to give you the first one here. Now, I put this up on Facebook this morning, on my Facebook thing. Uh, I haven't had many responses to it. Y'all have to give me that. I'm better, but I've still got the stuff. This is a portion of the Southern Baptist faith and message from the year 2000. Well, that was 23 years ago. This is verbatim quote. Right after it talks about the church, pretty good definition, the doctrine of the church, pretty good. But the very next paragraph it says, 
Quote, the New Testament speaks also of the church as the body of Christ, which includes all of the redeemed of all the ages, believers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Unquote. And just in case somebody says, oh, well, that was from 2000. This was amended June the 14th, 2023, two months ago. Or three, whatever it is. By the Southern 2023 meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. So Southern Baptists went over this less than three months ago. And this is what they came out with. Now listen. I talked to you a lot to start with. Getting into this. About the church of God. Which is at Corinth. That's who he's talking to. And he says repeatedly about them coming together. And all through the New Testament. That's all you can find. So the very word. Church is the Greek word ecclesia, as uh, Jesus used in Matthew 16, 18. And, and the Bible itself teaches us that the church is made up of a local, visible Amen. congregation of people who have confessed the Lord in repentance and faith, and been scripturally baptized and joined together to carry out the Great Commission, the commands of our Lord. Now that's the Bible definition. That's not the Southern Baptist definition. Now, I say those despise the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who changed the definition and use of the word. Look quickly at Matthew 16. You know what it says. In verse 18, Jesus said, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that is the first occurrence of the word ecclesia in the New Testament. Some people don't so much believe this, but there is a rule of first mention. That the first mention of a word establishes its use forward. I kind of believe that. So Jesus establishes the use of the word ecclesia, and that is our English word church. It is assembly. An assembly of people. Now, you go back <coughs> to this so-called Baptist faith and message. It's always legitimate. Always. I can't think of an of a exception to this. It's always legitimate to supply the definition of a word instead of the word. Can you imagine any exception to that? After all, a word is its definition, isn't it? So if you supply the definition, it's the same thing as the word, all right? He said, they say the New Testament speaks also of the assembly as the body of Christ, which includes all the redeemed of all the ages. Now, in biblical terminology, that's 6,000 years. 
believers from every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. Now, how can you get all those people together? This ain't talking about something in heaven. <coughs> this is talking about on planet Earth. The absolute only planet that can sustain life. Amen. Out of all of the multiplied trillions of them, it is the only one. And you can't deny, they can't deny that. Now, Brother Tim and Alice, they, they've got friends in Hungary, probably Romania. I guess they're still alive. I don't know. Been a while. I do too. Met some in Germany. Uh, where else? I don't know. Brazil. Believers. And have great fellowship with them. But we're not members of the same church. Amen. It is impossible for us to assemble with them. So how can you have... Now, I know you've got all of these doctors in the Southern Baptist Convention, in the, the Southern Baptist Cemetery, a seminary in Louisville. You've got all Dr. Hogjaws up there. And they are so smart. <coughs> but they can't... They can't explain themselves here. How do you have a universal, invisible assembly? It's impossible. <coughs> Yet, their magnum opus, Baptist Faith and Message, that's their magnum opus, big work. It's got a universal, invisible assembly, which is absolutely impossible to have. Now, so I say that those who change the definition and use of the word church despise the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They claim they don't. But they do by their actions. Well, that could be true of us too. Of our actions too. We need to watch it. Number two. Those who deny the church the authority to discipline its membership. And to pronounce the truth of the doctrines of the word of God. It's been a while. But I've had people sitting right here gritting their teeth at me, gnarling and shaking their head at me. Bring your scripture. If I'm wrong scripturally, let me have it. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to preach something wrong. It ain't going to be long. I'm going to meet my maker. I don't know whether he's going to say good and faithful servant or burn up everything I've got except me. I don't know. That's his to decide. Do you? I have been threatened physically over church discipline. I almost got whipped on the street because we had disciplined a man's daughter. Instead of being here and helping us with that, taking sides against the church because they didn't honor the Lord's church, at the very least, he despised the Lord's church. He regarded it as worthless and distasteful, negligible. Don't even need to consider it. Now listen. 
Look at Romans 16 real quick. In verse 17, as Paul signs off at the church at Rome. Now, this is not Roman Catholic Church. This is the church of God, which was at Rome, not the Roman Catholic Church. Now, this may have, in a few hundred years, developed into what became the Roman Catholic Church. I don't doubt that. But this, at this time, has nothing to do with the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church was not in existence when this was written. It did not exist. You say, well, people believe differently. Well, they can believe whatever they want to. Bring your proof to me. Anyway, Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, scope or mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. There's your church discipline. There's your doctrinal teaching. That we have not a right. We have obligation as well as right. Before God. To declare the whole counsel of the word of God. Including of course the doctrines. You know, well, I don't believe that. Well, you better be careful. Do you deny what God says? You can deny me. That's all you want. That's all right. But do not deny what God says. Now, look at 2 Timothy 3. Verse 1, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. That's times hard to be dealt with. And let me agree that these are times hard to be dealt with. They really are. We're dealing with things that nobody's ever, not in this country, ever had to deal with and probably not ever. I mean, we're talking about freak marriages. Two men marrying and two women marrying. We're talking about kids. Kids getting sex change operations. And we've got a governor that promotes it. He lies and says he doesn't, but he does. Just like his hands are dripping with blood, innocent blood, abortion, baby murder. Anyway, these are times hard to be dealt with. Well, I remember honestly, when I first surrendered to preach and I started hearing something about abortion, I didn't know what to believe about it. I had to study it. But it didn't take long of my studying it that I realized that abortion is murder. Now listen, I got some girl saying she was raped. Trying, uh, you see that? Well, I'm sorry if she was. You know, it's, Rapists ought to be executed. Amen. How about that? Amen. If they start executing them, there wouldn't be as many of them. <laughs> because they turn them loose and they do it again. <coughs> the Bible says forcible rape is a capital offense. But it's just we've got judges and juries and lawyers who don't believe that, who want to spare these rapists and murderers, spare their lives, but they don't want to spare the lives of innocent babies. Now figure that in for me. Anyway, I had to figure out what I believed about abortion. But I think it's time everybody else figure out what you believe and stop listening to these liberal dogs that tell you, oh, it's a, a woman's right. Couldn't be a woman's right. It ain't a woman's body. 
Not just like I hear them talking. Well, Joe something murdered my mother, but I want Joe to know that I forgive him. And people, oh, what a great guy that is. He's an idiot. And he cannot forgive Joe something for killing his, murdering his mother. He can't do it. It ain't in his capability. And any preacher says it is, 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 is either a fool or too ignorant to be preaching. <coughs> the only human being that can forgive Joe for murdering the mother is the mother. And he took that out of the way. That's like the kid murdered his mother and daddy and to make a defense that he's an orphan. He removed all that. But you can't forgive somebody that murdered somebody else. We've got limited ability to forgive anyway. And the only forgiveness I can offer up it's forgiveness for something somebody's done to me. And my Bible says if they say I repent, then I must forgive them seven times 70 every day. But you can't do that to somebody you put six foot under. It's impossible. I said, can God forgive them? Yes. But that's 100,000% between you and God. Yes. I don't have any right to try to come in there. And don't, oh, I, I want to slap somebody. I don't feel like what a great woman or what a great guy that is forgiving that murderer. You idiot. And that's why we're in the shape we're in right now. But people don't have enough sense to let God's word reign. He that shed the man, who so shed the man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. <coughs> anyway, <coughs> time's hard to be dealt with. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Don't act like being disobedient to parents is a light thing. It is not a light thing. It's right here in the list of all these other things. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more <coughs> than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now folks, those who place worldly pleasures before the church. Oh. They show that they despise, at the very least, they despise the church of God. Well, there's a lot of things you can do. Play sports, you can golf, you can boat fish, and all that. But when that takes time, the Lord's church, I'm serving the Lord. Does God give you a break? I don't think so. What Brother Brown say in that lesson, I thought it was just so appropriate. Did he say a total commitment to the Lord? Is that what he said? The Lord said it's necessary? I think that's what he said, yeah. Anyway, quickly Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So yes, yes. <coughs> Whose place is worldly pleasures? Before the church despised the church. Uh, who placed lodges and kinfolk above the church? Now, look back at Luke 14. That was in that lesson today. 
Luke 14, verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife. Now there the word hate doesn't mean mental murder. It means to choose one over the other. Hate not his father, mother, wife, children, and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. The Lord must come first. Uh, that's very plain. Verse 16, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for he either will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's, that's money. Nothing wrong with money. We've got to have it. But when it comes before the Lord, it's, it's terrible. I wanted to state this. I think I've said it before. I loved and respected my mother. And I think I showed it. All my life. I don't think I ever back-talked my mother one time. Oh, not a little bitty fella. She had to blister my legs because I took the studs on her. Got under the church pew at Old Ashton Avenue, and I wouldn't come out. And big old wooden pews, that old building over there. And I, I guess I must have been about three or four years old and had short pants on. And I got underneath the pew and just, I took the studs. I stiffened up. But that little woman got me out of there. She took me on that front porch where them big old columns are. And I mean, she blistered my little legs. You know how many times she had to do that again? Never. She, she broke me from sucking them eggs right then. Never did that to her again. I think that's the worst time I ever had with her. Because I loved my mother. Respected her. She taught me much about Christ. And I'll tell you this. She's been dead for 28 years or something like that. If somehow she came back and she was at my house on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, do you know where I'd be? Right here. And she'd be with me. You know where I'd be at 6 o'clock Wednesday night? Be right here. And she'd be right here with me. I wouldn't leave the services of God for no kin folk. There ain't no kin of Adam. Blood kin that's worth more than the blood of Christ. None. None whatsoever. Amen. Doesn't mean I don't love my family. I love the Lord first. And I mean that as surely as I sit here. Anyway, whoever joins a false church must at least despise the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've had them leave here. To go to churches that I know for an absolute fact do not preach the truth of God's word. No, for a fact they don't. I've talked to them myself. And they go, well, it's for the kids. We do a lot for the kids here. The main thing we do for the kids is we teach them the whole counsel of the word of God. And why would you leave here and take them to a church that doesn't? Teach the whole counsel of the word of God. You must have some other ulterior motive. Must be something there that you really despise. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. People who put other things in place of the meetings of the church. <coughs> Look at Hebrews 10. Verse 23, he says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We hold fast the profession of our faith. Now that just doesn't mean that we believe in Christ. The profession of our faith is that we believe the doctrines of the word of God. That's our profession of faith. 
So let us hold fast. Let's stand with it. And not, not veer, not vacillate with it. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That's how we must be with our church brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. Provoke each other into love and to good works. Not provoke them into arguments, but provoke them into love and good works. And all the while, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As a manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Say, well, it's getting, getting towards the end, so we're going to take it easy now. We're not going to go to church as much. That's the exact opposite of what the Bible says. The exact opposite. There ought to be more. I understand. Old age, believe you me, y'all have to understand that I understand old age. I used to wonder why them old people took so long walking up them steps. Why don't they just get on up them? Look how I go, two or three at a time. Now I know why. I know full well why they don't go any faster. <coughs> May not go at all. I know old age. I know you don't feel right. I know things happen. Last week I was at church, but I was tired. You know, I can honestly say, and I'm not bragging, the Lord has blessed me in my adult lifetime. I can hardly ever remember being tired. I really, I, I, I don't remember being tired. I really don't. And I've, I've run a schedule that probably two men couldn't handle. I have for years. I have. Last week I was tired. I don't feel quite as bad today that, that being tired. I know when I got back getting my foot crushed, I was weak. I understand things like that's true that happens to us. But if it's nothing like that, we need to be at church. You can't have a church meeting with no church people. And we agree with our church covenant. Now, of course, some ought to be here. There's not. They can't hear this. And I'm sure they won't listen to it. But anyway. So much the more as you see the day approaching. And finally, I'll quit with this one. Those who withhold their financial support. Obviously, despise the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, I see, oh, you can t hear the stories about, there was a big Baptist church in Manhattan in New York City. Uh, I don't know, one of the old uh, billionaires financed that church where they'll never go broke. They've changed the name now. I don't know what it is, but anyway. It's where old... Uh, Harry Emerson Fosdick was pastor. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Well, you can look it up. Look up Harry Emerson Fosdick on the internet, and I guarantee you you'll see, and you see that big church and the millions that he left to that church. And they, they promote everything that is anti-biblical. You can see them in this town. Fortunes have been left to some of these churches. They'll never go broke whether anybody ever tends them or not. They've got, they've got that much money in reserve. But then you take a church like this. I preached this and my mother, my little old mother, she didn't have a retirement. She had a social security check. And uh, Tony knows. 
She took care of her finances, helped her with them. She took out a life insurance policy after she heard me preach this for $5,000. And I don't know what she paid a week for, well, a month for, but it would cost her. And you know who the beneficiary was? Richmond Road Baptist Church. And by the time she died, she paid every dime of that $5,000 to that insurance company. They never lost a dime on us. But immediately that money came to this church. She realized when Paul said, whether it be by life or by death, Christ shall be magnified in my body. Now I want to say this. If you don't have it ready now, written out and certified, when you get past going, and I can give you names, dates, and places right now, that as soon as they get where they can't, they're incapacitated. <coughs> the church is not even considered. Not at all. Not by the families. Most of the families are heathen, and all they're waiting on is getting that money to go blow it in this heathen world. I'm telling you the truth now. How many times, it's playing out right now, have we seen it play out through the years? Well, don't despise the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he loved the church and gave himself for it. When you see him in the book of Revelation, you see that marvelous, symbolic, pictorial of Jesus Christ. Eyes as a flame of fire and all of that. Do you know where Jesus is standing? Right amidst his seven churches of Asia Minor. And if judgment begin, let it begin at the house of God. And that's where, that's where his first concern is right here. Well, we, God saves us. And we decide we're going to follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. And we come into the church and we agree before God to support the Lord's church, not to despise it. God help us to love the church that Jesus Christ loved. Well, I don't think we can love it quite as much as he did, but we ought to 